Always good to know who's in the house, like I said, and who's in our church community. And uh, not that we're slapping labels on anybody, but it just helps to. Some people uh, like to communicate differently and understand things differently than others, and comfort levels and things like that. So it's just good to have that data and know that as well. Well, in two days, we are celebrating what? <laughs> Fourth of July. Right? I didn't wear this suit for no reason. This comes dusted out, kind of a little patriotic thing or whatever. Uh, I just about fit in it, but anyhow. Um, but yeah, this is uh, on the 4th of July is celebrating Independence Day today. We have so much to be grateful for, right? I mean, living in this country, uh, starting out from you know the early plights of Jamestown to Plymouth Rock, to these men sitting in a hall in Philadelphia that led us to having the ability to live in this type of a nation. Isn't that incredible? We've weathered many, many storms over the years. But we've also created many storms too, right? (laughs) I can get an amen there in a church, I guess. But through it all, God's grace has been shed upon us as a nation, like no other nation, no other nation, even when some of those storms were aggressively taking land (laughs) that may not have belonged to us, or having slaves help build this nation that they couldn't experience the freedom that it was going to bring. God, still in that ignorance and sin, Shed grace upon us. Today I'm going to not bring you through history. Hopefully not. We're going to see where this goes. But I want to talk a little about history. But then also mirror what some of those early folks did. Are very similar to where we are now as Christians. I don't think I'm going to get political either. So that will be neat. But I want to navigate. You see, all these folks that I mentioned from from Jamestown, Plymouth Rock, and those in between, and the founding fathers, they were pioneers. When I say pioneers, I don't mean Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. You know, with the coonscap hat, and, you know, he's out in the wilderness looking for things. What I mean in the working definition of pioneers is is are people that see a better tomorrow and don't mind being the first to get there. Seeing a better tomorrow and don't mind being the first to get there. You look at all these folks that have helped build this nation. There was no road map. There was, and some came to this country for capitalizing on merchandising. And certainly a majority came for religious freedom. So different motives that came. But for some reason, it all came together to form this great USA. I haven't heard this word in a while. And I remember um, in my early history, U.S. history classes, melting pot where people from different ethnic backgrounds and nations and countries had a dream to come here, to not lose their nationalities, 
but melt into what we call this great America. Amen? And through that, there were 13 colonies. (laughs) 13 colonies that were able to come together and form the United States of America. All right, Pastor, that's nice. I know most of this history. But what does that have to do with me in 2023? Well, as Christ followers, if you've made that decision, not just to be a Christian and be comfortable, but if you've made a Christ-following decision, you are a pioneer as well. You're looking for a better tomorrow and don't mind to be the first to get there. But that better tomorrow may not be solved by government It may not solve by a more land space, but a spiritual space that we need back in this nation. You're a pioneer called by Christ to shine the light, be the salt in the light in a darkened world. Studying some of the folks that have helped found this great nation and then going to the Bible... Others that we could talk about that have been pioneers in, in, in a land of wild and fr- dark frontier, they carried three elements that they knew very well. They may have known it through mistakes, because nobody's perfect, but there's these three elements I want to talk about. And in themselves, they're messages unto them own, unto themselves. But one is freedom, understanding true freedom. If you're a pioneer, you need to understand true freedom. Also understanding that if you're, uh, you're in true freedom and, and wanting to better that and be in true freedom, you know you're going to have some divine guidance along the way. And if you're experiencing divine guidance and God's behind you, you're going to form unity, number three, along the way. So freedom, divine guidance, and unity were understood by pioneers. And they need to be understood by you. Because if you're pioneering, you need to know how they work. This is getting exciting. I want this message to be a reflective message today. It may be a little encouraging. It may not be. I'm certainly, as I usually do, there's a little challenge there too to all of us. But I want this message to be reflective in the sense that when July 4th hits and your two feet hit the ground that morning, that you're reflective of thanking God for where you live, of this great country, America, with all its faults and good things. There's a lot more good than outweighs the bad because his grace has been upon us, as I said. And the second thing I need you to reflect is to reflect what your calling is as a pioneer as well because there's something we're called to do. Not just sit back and comment on everything, right? We're called as Christ followers to do something. So let's talk about freedom first. Again, these are messages within themselves. I think we'll sneak this all in by 11 o'clock. Freedom. Here's a statement that I believe is accurate because I created it. Freedom not only holds great value to the one who has fought for it or earned it, but also to the one who is a beneficiary of it as well. However... When a beneficiary loses the understanding of what's been granted, that same freedom can begin to deteriorate and be lost and redefined. 
You have to be very careful for that. So you have... You have... Freedom comes with the cost. And when you forget that, you begin to not understand the second point, that freedom comes with barriers. We can't in freedom just do anything we want. But that freedom allows us to do what we ought to do in a collective environment of citizenship. So what do I say? So you have, and everybody's somewhere, so I'm saying this in love, but you have certain cultures that are looking to create self-identity, liberties, liberties. And they're molding what their liberties should look like into a circle and trying to fit it into a square boundary that has been automatically established. Does that make sense? So here's what I believe freedom is. Oh, wait, it's not fitting into your square boundary that has been the cost of freedom since 1776 and beyond. So what are we doing? We're not asking them to go back and make it into a square. We are taking the knife out and cutting that square into a circle. Let me go a little bit further. I hope this makes sense. I'm going to be on a plane next week. So if I'm sitting in a plane next week and I had a freedom to pick out what airline I wanted, sit where I wanted, because I don't fly Southwest. So I got the, the seat picked out. Southwest is great. I'm sorry. But I already have my seat. So I have the freedom to pick my seat. When I book my ticket, I'm going to get in that. I'm flying. We're about 30,000 feet in the sky. And I decide, in the name of freedom, I should be an airplane too. And I'm going to get out of my seat and go to the front. I'm exercising my freedom. I can get out of my seat, even if the lavalier thing's off or on. And I'm going to open that door. And I'm going to jump out because I have the freedom to be a plane. Now, I have not only jeopardized my own life, but those around me when I open the door. But yet that's when the beneficiaries of freedom, as it was established, begin to lose what's been granted. We push out the barriers of freedom and get close to that A word, anarchy. In 1775, before the revolution started, you had colonists, 13 colonies roughly, and you had, but, but then there was becoming a split in the colonies. There was becoming the radicals that they would think of time that said, wait a minute, this crown is starting to push down on us. And then you had the loyalists that said, you know what, I got to pay a little more taxes, but I'm comfortable, Right? So you had these two parties. See, the de- definition of freedom back then was just the absence of a dictatorship or a foreign country. That was a simple definition right that. But the problem is between the loyalists and the radicals, that definition of abscess, absence was a stretching word. Because the radicals say, I don't want to get anywhere near of going what I just came from in England and having a crown over my head, literally looking down and ruling my life. And you had the colonists that were saying, hey, it isn't so bad. A lot better where it came from. As the radicals grew and saw, and we know this represent, what is that? Uh, uh, 
Taxation without what? Representation. That started growing. Yeah, the Tea Party, uh, excuse me, yeah, the tea in the Boston Harbor, and all these things were going, you know, people were really saying, okay, there's a lot of unsettlement going here. What I thought freedom was, and I risked what I could to come to America, it looks like we may be losing that soon. And what helped this was a 47-page pamphlet called Common Sense by Thomas Paine. Imagine if we revised that pamphlet a little bit of Common Sense and passed it out in the streets. Proverbs, and many of the translations of Proverbs, uh, they call, Proverbs says, don't be a simpleton. If you break that down and don't even need to go deep into the Greek, it just says, a person who has lost common sense. So here this pamphlet comes out by Thomas Paine, and he does very well of articulating it for anybody to read, because obviously the education was so gapped in spans at that time, Right? of writing and reading, and he breaks it down by saying, here's one quote, I'm going to quote a few times today from Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine says this in Common Sense, society in every state is a blessing, but government in its very best state is but a necessary evil. There's no different translation. This is from that pamphlet. And in its worst state is an intolerable one. So what he's saying is, We need government, but it can also be evil at times. When it begins to think, it can create and understand the original boundaries of freedom. So these pamphlets are going in the streets saying, listen, the crown may turn out to be a dictator over time if we do not do anything. And so the battle began. The shot heard round the world, right? And conquered Massachusetts. We are at war. We are saying to the crown, we want our freedom. We can do our own. We have an opportunity to see a great nation here. And we don't want your interest. Freedom. Was now being fought for in these streets. And being desired. So it was bringing, and believe it or not, God was working good out of bad. Because as the war began, those loyalists started seeing what was happening, and they started coming together to fight the war. And aren't you glad we won the war? Amen? Let's talk about divine guidance. How many of you believe in coincidence? It's okay, but I would like to say, don't raise your hand, but I'd like to say most of the coincidence in a Christ follower's life is God involved in something in front of you. Many of our founding fathers and the pilgrims didn't know what they were doing. They just knew what they were looking for, but they didn't know how to get it. But many God-fearing and God-women-fearing people were guided by God to create this great nation. You can go through biographies of Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and you have all these founding fathers that wanted the same thing, but some of them had different ways they thought we could get there. But God was able to orchestrate that 
and bring people to one thing. George Washington, to quote him, he wrote this letter. This is knee-deep in the Revolutionary War. He wrote this letter to his friend Samuel Langdon in 1789. He says, George Washington says this, The man must be bad indeed who can look upon the events of the American Revolution without feeling the warmest gratitude towards the great author of the universe whose divine interposition was so frequently manifested on our behalf. On our behalf. This country has recognized God's hand in how things were formed. And as I said earlier, an amazing grace that has come on us. It's just the deck, just a few few things that these these men in Philadelphia wrote. Just listen to this prayer. We know it well, but I want to comment on it a little bit. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created equal. Equal. That they are endowed by themselves? No. By their creator with certain unalienable rights. Rights that are pre-designed. That among these are life. America needs to remember itself that they did not create their life. But God did. And liberty. Those freedoms within the context of a society. And this is the key thing. Which has a lot to do with divine guidance. And the pursuit of happiness. God wants everybody to have a pursuit of happiness. Obviously around the globe, but certainly as we're talking in the context of this great nation. See, if you're truly pursuing happiness, you're pursuing your great design, and God will have his hand over you. When we forget that we've been beneficiaries of freedom, we will not have A guided, divine guidance. You loved me for a minute, but hang on. I don't agree with the nationalists either. <laughs> Do you know America is not mentioned in the Bible? Huh. <gasps> It's not in the Bible. Israel is. (laughs) There have been, and unfortunately there have been some Christians, not Christ followers, that have hugged the flagpole so tight. I know I'm losing some Christmas cards in the mail. That's okay. So tight that they made an idol of a White House and thought it might be even heaven, the gate to heaven. And then worshipped a politician. Oh my gosh. I'm not talking Democrat or Republican. It's all together. God has blessed this nation because he has brought grace to it. But as we continue, as we sin as a nation, (laughs) the blessing begins to fall away. So it's not so much the nation that is enclosed in gold, but it's the people 
that he's created. And when we as people begin to turn away from God as we have, the blessing comes away. And then our next move as Christ followers and pioneers is to begin to bless God. But let me, let me be very clear. Back to freedom. As Christ followers, my true freedom is not in my citizenship as the United States of America. It is first to the kingdom of God. Amen. And if I can't understand my freedom, my spiritual freedom of what Christ did on the cross first, first, how can I expect other people to understand a freedom that needs to be legislated and this and that? I'm not saying don't get involved. But if we can't get grounded first in our own spiritual freedom as Christ followers, we're going to fall on our face walking up and tripping up the states of the capital. I'm not saying don't do it, but are you solidified in your freedom as Christ first of a son and daughter of the Most High? Because otherwise you're going to get lost like a shark in the water is going to eat you up, spit you out and say, look at those weak Christians. They don't know what they're doing. They hate us. No, they don't. We just believe in God divine freedom and how he's structured. So get involved. I'm not saying that, but you've got to be anchored in your freedom first. It's spiritual freedom first. Paul, most of his greatest letters. Don't worry, I am reading Bible scriptures today in a minute. Paul, in his greatest writings, was chained and shackled in jail, but was not yet concerned about that physical freedom as much as he was to the churches he was writing to in spiritual freedom. When you get that spiritual freedom in you, hell cannot prevail. You are the light in the darkness. Not in an arrogancy, because God's still using you in your deficiency. But through love, changing the world and being a difference maker in this great United States of America. You're pioneers in this. You're pioneers. Let's talk about unity. Unity. Wasn't a popular word during COVID. <laughs> Everybody had their own opinions. People's salvations were running out with no masks or masks. They were being defined by just things that are not making sense. God believes in unity because he, he created this thing called Trinity. You think of the Trinity, God three in one. There's unity there, right? So, how much more is there power in our unity as a church? We need to be unified. Back in Thomas Paine, in that pamphlet he wrote to, to a, a nation that was on the edge of succeeding or not, in that pamphlet he said about unity, he says, it's not in the numbers, again, there are only 13 colonies, it's not in the numbers, but in the unity that our great strength lies. Yet our present numbers are sufficient to repel the forces of all the world. Thomas Paine knew the power in unity. Unity doesn't mean we agree on every little thing. But together, we need we can be a part of some greater thing, focus on God and his creation. I, I said, it, it's what's going to bring Jesus back to some degree when the church gets unified. So as, as in our early nations, the, the, the founding fathers, they, they didn't agree on a lot. But they knew that they were onto something that was greater than they could ever imagine. So they came together. 
Unity may cost you something like freedom occasionally. But in that cost, there's such a greater reward of coming together. See, the enemy, he he loves when we're disunified because he doesn't have to do anything. (laughs) He just lets us yell at each other and I'm right, you're wrong. Jesus came to lose, you know, lose his life so we'd have our victory. I'm not saying be walked over in the very least. But unity is such a powerful tool and it's what's going to help build those building blocks for his kingdom to come back. These founding fathers probably were not shooting for unity, but it just organically came as God's divine hand continued to push for this great nation to be formed. Unity. Abraham Lincoln said this. Again, he was speaking to politicians, so it needed to be reminded. He said, a house divided against itself will not what? Stand. Will not stand. Will not stand. I want to quote uh, A.W. Tozer. This is powerful, anything he writes. I would encourage you to read his books. You usually don't just breeze through it. It's something you've got to read a few times. This is from The Pursuit of God, which, Pastor John, we've all read it many times. It's amazing. But this has to do with unity. Let this sink in. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in the heart nearer to each other than they can possibly be, where they become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive closer in fellowship. Wow. So that piano tuner, that image, that sound, that it's tuned to one accord. And the Holy Spirit came, as we know in Acts. They had to be in one accord. <laughs> the power of God to blow the roof off of here, which we'll get there. We have to be in one accord. Not a law. Because if you're truly beholding, as we talked earlier, and following the Father, it's your desire to come together to something greater than ourselves. And then God works everything else out that way. Amen? So take time this Independence Day, as I said earlier, to reflect. Reflect on the cost that was paid for our freedoms. Reflect on your calling, that you're pioneers. Pioneers in this dark world to bring the light of Christ to your neighbors, your communities, your workplace. You're pioneers to do that. And if you truly understand the freedom in Christ you have first, 
then there'll be divine guidance along the way to hold you and protect you. And the other thing about divine guidance is when you're in divine guidance, you control freaks, there's a weight that's lifted off of you. How am I going to do this? How do I talk this way? How do I, I'm not going to throw a Bible at somebody, but do I love on them? Blah, blah, blah. Just let divine guidance take its orchestration. There have been so many times that I've run in front of people at the right moment for something, and I have fouled some of them up, not been perfect, that I had an opportunity just to say, hey, do you know much how God loves you today? He really does. By the way, that's discipleship. There's different levels, but some of us get scared that we're called the disciple. That was one part right there. But bringing the light of Christ to those who are around us in this dark, it's not getting any lighter. It's not. And God's not sitting up there going, okay, I'm waiting. He's looking at us. Has my love been great enough <laughs> to, mo- to motivate you? I'm preaching to myself. To motivate you to be the light of the world. This is a sanctuary. It's safe. But we can't live in safety. You should come back next week, but you can't live in safety. You're called to be out there and being pioneers for Christ. And if you have divine guidance going on, it'll organically bring unity between whoever you're in front of. It will. No matter if they're Democrat, Republican, Independent, labeled as a goat, I don't know, whatever. I mean, they does, those are labels. And we have a whole message called Playing God I'm going to do in the fall, I think. Excuse me. But, but those are labels. The labels are trying to make that circle really tight to fit in that square that I said earlier. But love will mold that. God's love will mold it so it fits. Amen? You guys are looking like I've played with too much Play-Doh growing up or something. But it works. So Independence Day, yes, it's a great time. Have hot dogs, hamburgers, but also reflect on this great nation that we have. But for us to sustain it, God's calling us to be pioneers and not preaching from a soapbox at the corner of Easy Street, but to just reflect it in our daily lives. And then some of us are called to walk up that state capitol and not trip. There are people called to that, but we got to get the freedom in here first of knowing what's in Christ before we start commenting and writing signs and staple them to a pole that only Christ could with a cross, you know. Does anybody still like me today? Don't, don't raise your hand. So be urgent. Be reflective in your call on this 4th of July and keep moving. We've heard messages. Pastor Ray last week, a man of a different spirit. Well, you're a woman of a different spirit too, for praise God. We heard Pastor Mike about witnessing. These are calling things. I talked about practicing prayer the week before. These are equipping things of realization. And there's going to be a fork in the road very soon. Don't worry, I'm done, because you're going to throw things. There's going to be a fork in the road very soon of those who are going to be Christ followers who are going to want to rest in their title as a Christian. And you may not be at that fork for very long as the world is turning. So settle it sooner or later. But the neat thing is God will honor where your obedience is. 
He loves you so much. He will empower you to be sons and daughters of the Most High and pioneers in this 2023 and beyond to continue to make America this great country that it is, right? He needs you and I in love, leading in love. There's truth. Truth is never, we don't redefine truth. But how can I tell truth until I get the attention of walking in love first? Do the opposite of what they're expecting. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. MSNBC, all these, these are not our enemies. All these people that are letting, they're not our enemies. We need to see the lens that Jesus sees every morning when he looks at people. Not compromise truth, but start walking in love. That's why the church has missed it for the last somewhat many years and why we failed miserably. Because we didn't walk in love. It didn't lead them to where they need to go and let Christ transform them in the truth and the knowledge of God. I wasn't kidding. I'm going to read some scriptures. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. You guys still with me for another minute or two? All right. Let's talk about freedom. Just a few quick scriptures. 2 Corinthians 3.17. We know this, but it's so powerful. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, of the Lord is, there is freedom. Talk about that freedom in here. Seek that freedom. John 8.36. We know this. So if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. You're free indeed. The truth will set you free. Galatians 5.13. This is a good one by Paul. For you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nation, nature. Talking about the boundaries. Instead, use your freedom to get a big TV and sit and eat popcorn. No, to serve one another in love. Serve one another. And he wrote that one from jail, I think. Let's talk about divine guidance. This one's good. Psalm 27, 14. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. I believe when we hear this a lot, waiting patiently is not twiddling our thumbs waiting, but it's waiting to see opportunity around you for that divine guidance. Divine guidance. Isaiah 3.21. Isaiah. All right, well, that's all right. Isaiah 3.21. Your e. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether the right or to the left. This is the way you should go. Isaiah fifty-eight eleven. I didn't give you the scripture. The Lord will guide you, again, divine guidance. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs So you don't have to worry about that stuff if you're being divine guided. In a scorched land, he will even do that and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never failed. Let's talk about unity. Yay, amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10. Sorry, my sarcasm comes out a lot. I appeal to you, so this is Paul again, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. John 13.35, talking about unity still. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not how many scriptures you memorize. That is good. Not how many Bibles are under your... Uh, I know I'm losing Christmas cards. Listen, not how many Bibles that are under your arm. Those are important. It's the word. But how you love one another. You see, the dark coming in, they, they, can't, they don't even understand love. That's why they're redefining love. The culture. So if we can hold to what God's love is, we are that light. We are that light. There's that definition. Love is love. Oh, boy. How do you... Oh, am I, that's another message. How, okay. Hey, here's a great song. That, again, it happened in the Civil War, but I think just to focus on, as we as Christ followers and pioneers, we're not pitching, picking up our pitchforks and our shovels, but we're picking up the Word of God, which is our declaration of independence, right, technically, and we're singing this song, which is just as relevant it was back then as it was today. Don't sing, and I'm not singing either. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He has trampled out the vintage where the grapes of wrath has stored. He had loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. And you hold that truth inside you every day. Be confident in that. Be confident in that. You pioneers. Why don't we stand? Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Abba Father, (laughs) for being a father to us individually, but also being a father to this nation, Lord. Lord, let us learn that it's our diligence and responsibility to be pioneers, to help build your kingdom on earth. And we answer that call today, Lord. And be reminded that we're here to do something. When Jesus left, Lord, he was very clear. Go and make disciples. Not just a church, but individuals in the church. Go make disciples. Lord, give us the grace where we can wait patiently upon you, as we heard. So you can come in and give us that guidance in what to do in our lives. Lord, when frustration abrues, Through your Holy Spirit, bring us back to what true freedom is, Lord. Freedom in Christ. Lord, what you did on that cross tore the veil so we have access to you, God. Lord, let us never forget the cost of this country's freedom. From soldiers to our forefathers, There was great cost, so we can be beneficiaries of this. Lord, let us never get into a place where we deserve anything except you and your love. And let us be pioneers to walk out this calling in a darkened land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you are here.